Brother Hodge, for starting Lesson 7, The Path to Christ's Death. I know that you gleaned some wonderful things and about Christ making a new covenant. Abraham marked his covenant with circumcision. Our covenant is a covenant of blood in the New Testament. And the, the New Testament circumcision just happens to be baptism. And I believe that. The New Covenant provides for healing. We studied all that this past week. We're going to begin with chart number four in Lesson 7. And I'm going to tell you this. This, this is a 12-week study, but we're not getting through this in 12 weeks. So just hang on. And we're going to get there, but I want to cover everything that we need to cover. And sometimes Brother Hodge will tell you, and Brother Eric will tell you, he's, he's taught this before, it's just hard to get through things in an hour. Now, if you wasn't spoiled, I'd keep you to about 8, 30, 9 o'clock every Wednesday, and we'd get through this in 12 weeks. But you're too spoiled, and I'm too lazy. So let's, uh, let's get through it in however long it takes. Is that all right with everybody? Everybody with me tonight? Jesus Christ went to Calvary. What a story. He was a sinless man. He took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. As a matter of a fact, and I'll talk about this in just a few minutes, he became sin for us. He, the Bible said that he did. Recent medical uh, studies find that when a person is suspended by his hands, the blood sinks rapidly into his lower extremities. As a matter of fact, death by crucifixion was one of the most cruel deaths that a man could ever die. And death by crucifixion is usually due to heart failure. Your heart literally fails because of, of the, the pain and the anguish. However, victims, statistics say, sometimes would linger there too in maybe three days. So here's Jesus. I know you talked about it last week. He stumbled up Golgotha's hill. Somebody carried his cross. He's been beaten with a cat of nine tails. He's got a crown of thorns up on his head. And he's hanging up on a cross that he did not deserve. And there's a title that is written on that cross that was put there by Pilate that says, This is Jesus. King of the Jews. There was mockery. The Bible said they wagged their heads when they went by him. And they mocked him. And they spat upon him. This is not a scene that is, that is pleasant to the human eye. But it is a scene that we cherish forever. Because with this came freedom for mankind. And came the new covenant or the New Testament if you please, and salvation not by the shedding of blood by bulls and goats, but by the shedding of blood by a spotless lamb that gave his life for all humanity. Soldiers gambled for his garments beneath the cross. While Christ was in torment and agony, they were laughing and mocking, and they gambled at the foot of the cross for the garments of the Lord. It was, it was a thief that hung beside him that one of them spoke up when he realized who Jesus was and the power of God that was beside him. And he said, Lord, remember me, remember me when thou come into the king, in thy kingdom. And it was Jesus hanging on a cross 
that looked back at a thief and a man that deserved perhaps what he was getting. And he said, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. So these are the the scenes of the cross. But the last moment and the last saying of the cross, you'll notice the, the chart, the dark writing all the way to the top, it it says three words. And these are the three words that we want to start with tonight. Because at the end of all that happened on the cross, it was Jesus that hung his head and he said, Eli, Eli, lame sabbatane, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he said, it is finished. It is finished. The Passover lamb was slain. You can just read the chart while I go through this. It's a new way to God. The Old Testament plan, the tabernacle, the law, not completely destroyed because Jesus said in his earthly ministry, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. In other words, it's not an eye for an eye anymore or a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, I've been, I've been reading, uh, and you have too, many of you, we read the Bible through in a year's time, and let me tell you something. Uh, the Bible, if you don't like war and death, and you, you won't like the Bible because it's a bloody book in that Old Testament. There's a lot of killing going on. There's a lot of judgment going on. There's a lot of things that are happening. But Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And he said, I'm saying to you that it used to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It used to, it used to be if you could write somebody a bill of divorcement. It used, and he goes through these things, but he said, I'm saying to you, if you say to your brother, thou fool, or if you hate your brother. And he goes through forgiveness, and he goes through life, period. And he makes it a better covenant. Somebody say that with me, a better covenant. It is a newer covenant, but it is a better covenant. And the reason he said it is finished upon this cross, because now the Passover lamb was slain. When the Lord said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, or I commend my spirit, he bowed his head and died. What is finished? What do you mean, Jesus? Here's what he meant. All the types and promises and prophecies of the Old Testament are now fully accomplished. And the plan of God to come to this earth and to give himself upon a cross as the Son of God and die for the sins of all mankind and redeem mankind from his sin that started in the garden. He is saying, I've done everything I needed to do. It's finished. You believe that? Jesus paid it all. Jesus became the spotless lamb. Animal sacrifices of the old Jewish law are now abolished, as well as explained. The true Passover lamb has now been slain. No longer would the blood of lambs be needed. No longer was the old tabernacle altar needed. We need some altars, but we don't need the old tabernacle altar of sacrifice or altar of incense. Everything has been made better. Everything. It was a new way to God. Let me, let me tell you what happened, and, and, and I've preached this many times, but, but there was a curtain. You remember we stuttered, studied 
We stuttered too. When we studied the, 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 the tabernacle in the wilderness, we studied how that there was a curtain that hung between the holy place and the holy of holies. You remember that, that only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. Nobody else could go in there. And if the high priest wasn't pure before God, if he wasn't clean before God, the minute he stepped into the Holy of Holies, he would die. It was so serious that they literally tied a rope around the ankles of the high priest or the ankle of the high priest, and, and they put pomegranates and bales on the bottom of his garment where that the ringing of the bales could be heard to know that he was alive. If that stopped, nobody was allowed to open the curtain and go in and get the high priest. But they literally pulled him out of the Holy of Holies. I'm telling you truth tonight. And they pulled him out because he went in before God and was not right before God. So he died in the Holy of Holies. But here's what happened. Only the high priest could go in. He went in one time a year. He didn't go in every day. They went to the holy place every day. But the holy of holies was so the high priest could go in. And he could offer up a sacrifice to God and roll the sins of Israel forward for another year. Not forgiven, but rolling them toward the cross. So this was a very serious matter. Well, isn't it, isn't it amazing that the moment Jesus bowed his head and died, there was an awesome miracle that took place in the temple in Jerusalem. The temple, the Bible said. The Bible said at the moment he said it's finished and he hung his head and died, the, the veil in that holy of holies that separated those two places was rent in twain. Now, I got, I got to tell you something. This wasn't a normal piece of, of, of cloth. The veil was 60 feet long. It was 30 feet wide. Its thickness was the width of the palm of your hand. And, and it was a very heavy, heavy piece of, of should I, I don't want to say cloth, but whatever it was made out of. But it was heavy. It was not easy to tear. But the scripture said that the veil was written in twain from top to bottom. There was not a man there. God, the miracle worker, reached down and tore the veil and, and tore it in two. Why did he do that? Why did that happen? He made access. I want you to hear me right now. So that not just the high priest could go into the presence of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant was and the cherubims were there and the mercy seat was there. I got to read this morning early about the Ark of the Covenant. And let me tell you, that's a very serious piece of furniture. That's what the Spirit of the Lord was symbolic, or the, the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the Spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament. So what happened was when the Lord said it is finished upon the cross, the earth quaked, things happened around the cross, but something else happened in the temple. And that was the veil was rent so that David Bolin and Adam Daniels and Toby Stanley and Jason Hodge and Danny Chance and Blake Paul and everybody in this room 
and everybody in Washita Parish and everybody in Louisiana and everybody in the world has access and right to walk into the presence of God. You don't have to get a preacher to do it for you. You just have the right now because he made a way in the new covenant. He made a way for you to go in to the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and, and what a story. But, but they took Jesus off that cross. There wasn't a bone broken. You know, they, they would normally go up and, and break the leg or break a bone to make sure that person was dead, but no bones were broken. Well, that was a prophecy back in the book of Psalms, chapter 34 and verse 20. And, and they, they took a sword and they ran it in his side and blood and water came out of his side. And you know what? That was a prophecy back in Zechariah 13 and 1. The Bible said, In that day there should be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Oh, the blood of Jesus that shed at Calvary for you and I. Thank God for access to the holy place. Thank God for blood that cleanses. Thank God for the cross. Hallelujah. Does anybody here thank the Lord today that he died for your sins? What a story. So this is why we have the gospel. You can go to the next chart if you will, Brother Jeff. The gospel. The gospel is the gospel is good news. That's what it means. It's not bad news, it's good news. We get enough bad news. The world, the world gives you enough bad news. If you want to know the bad news, go look at the stock market today. You want to know the bad news? Just stop at the end of the road and fill your car up with gas when you start home. You want to know what bad? <laughs> There's plenty of bad news. Everybody said amen. I mean, the, the, the world's full of bad news, and they thrive on it. But I got good news. And the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first Adam, let me talk about the first Adam. You see it on the left. He was created in the image of God. He had dominion over the earth. We studied in the, in the very early study of, of Search for Truth that, that when Adam came on the scene, God trusted him. He even named all the animals in the garden. He had dominion over everything until he and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You understand that. But only God could redeem Adam and the Adamic nature that came to all mankind. Now, I, I want to take my time here and just talk to you for a few minutes. Only the Holy Spirit could reveal the complete redemption story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so what happened after the cross, there's a lot of writing on this chart, but you see where it says the first Adam was created in the image of God. The, the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. So the first Adam had dominion, lost it, and men and mankind fell into sin. They were disobedient. And it resulted in death. There was no death until there was sin. Amen? Since then, the Bible said, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
God did not actually abolish man's dominion. However, when man was separated from God, man lost the ability to understand the properly exercised dominion over the earth. And eventually, he forfeited his relationship with God by being rebellious. And Satan, at that point, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, became the God of this world. We are children of Satan. I know you don't like that. Until we become children of God. And here's why. Because you are born in sin. And you are shapen in iniquity. And we are recipients of a Adamic nature. Men became the sons of Satan. John 8, 44. Go read it for yourself. So, so God had to, to do what he did to redeem us. We had to be redeemed. Here's what Romans said. I'll just skip through some of this. It's Romans 5, 12, and then 14, and then 18. Wherefore, as by one man centered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed on all men, for that all have sinned. It goes on to say death reigned even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. And it says by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. I want you to take that finger right there, your forefinger. Hold it up just like this. You got it? Everybody hold it up just like this because I'm going to make you do something that you probably won't like to do. But I want you to put it right here and say this with me. I'm a sinner by nature. It's the way you were born. You didn't come here full of God. You came here with carnal nature because Adam brought disobedience and it resulted in sin and spiritual death and separation from God. And Satan was made the God of this world. And men became the sons of Satan when they should have been the sons of God. Are you with me? So, so Jesus came and he was that last Adam. And he came, the, I love this scripture, the Bible said he came to give you life and he gives it more abundantly. Now that's not verbatim, but he don't just give you life, he gives you abundant life. Life better than the normal. And so so Jesus is that that last Adam. Now, here's, here's what Jesus did. He comes on the scene and he identified with man's dead spiritual nature. He understands it. And and I'm, I'm a, boy, this is this is a lesson I, I got to reserve a little time for. I got to hurry right here. He was made sin and made sickness for us. You see the scriptures, and it's on your study sheet. He was forsaken of God. He suffered the penalty of death for us. We should have been crucified, but Jesus took our place. Does that make sense? He literally became the spotless Lamb that was. Offered in the Old Testament, he became the New Testament spotless lamb for the sins of all mankind. So this is what he did. Now, when he died, then he was resurrected. Notice the, the red arrow comes back up and it says the resurrection. So 
when Jesus died, there's another part of the story. Jesus' name was exalted, and he was resurrected. At Calvary, man, there's so many scriptures I can read here right now. At Calvary, he took the world on his shoulders. He took mankind on his shoulders. He took the punishment of sin on his shoulders. He took everything. He took stripes for our healing. He took the blood that led us to cleanse us and to make us whole. The Bible talks about in Colossians 1.15, it said, He was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He was the firstborn from the dead. When He got up, He overcome. Man, 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 I wish I had time to preach here a little bit. But let me tell you what happened to the resurrection. When he died, the Bible said he went to the spirits in prison. Now watch me right here. When, he, when they put him in a tomb and roll, rolled the stone over him, and, 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 and they eventually sealed it because they was afraid somebody was going to steal his body. He didn't stay there. He went to hell. He went to the spirits in prison. You may not have ever heard this. He went down and literally took the keys of death and hell away from the devil. You see, if I could paint you a picture, here's what happened in the death of Jesus. And this is an Easter sermon. Amen. But when he went down to the spirits in prison, the Bible said that the devil, the devil when he was crucified, he, 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 he was he was happy. Satan and all his angels, they thought they had him. But the scripture also said if they would have only known. If they would have only known. Because what he did is he went down into the spiritual prison and he just, you know, he, he sticks his hand out and he says, give them to me. What? The keys that you took way back in the Garden of Eden. The keys to death and the keys to hell. You don't have them anymore. I've got them now. Ladies and gentlemen, you talk about powerful. When he came up out of that grave in the resurrection, his name was exalted. He had restored man's right to rightful dominion, and he had conquered death, hell, and Satan. He had conquered everything. That's why he said it's finished, because he knew what was about to happen. And the good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's the good news that you don't have to stay dead. You don't have to die. You don't have to go through pure hell. You don't have to live that way in this earth anymore. You have a Savior that is resurrected that will take you to the promise. Land. Hmm. The believer's privilege. Here we are. How many of you are a believer? You wouldn't be here tonight if you wasn't a believer. You'd be out somewhere else doing something else. We're believers. We are the sons of God. We're no longer the sons. You know, the scripture said in John that we're the sons of Satan. Not anymore. When you came to God, you became the son of God. You don't have to live unrighteous. You're living righteous. You are justified. You have eternal life. You are joint heirs with Christ, and you are a new creation. That is the privileges of every believer who sits in this building and every believer in this world today. And those who reject the finished work of Calvary and the finished work of Jesus Christ are the gospel. You're going to suffer the second death. But there is an escape from the 
from the sin and the judgments of sin that you don't ever have to die again. The Bible talks about it in the book of Revelation. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping a lot, a lot of stuff here because there's a couple of things I want to get to. But he talked about, the, the, the scripture talks about the second death. Now, I don't want to die. There have been a few times I thought I might want to, but I changed my mind. You don't want to die. If anybody says I want to die, they're probably mentally unstable, at least at that point in time. But to die one time is one thing. But to die the second time is something else. Does, do you understand what the second death is? The first death, which all of us will, will, we will meet that day if the Lord tarries. We're going to die. I got some bad news for you. You're going to die. Well, I hope not real soon, but so, someday we're all going to die. If These bodies are going to wear out. My dad used to say all the time, he, uh, he, he, you know, my dad just had such a, a, a sense of humor. He'd say, son, dying ain't so bad if you just didn't have to stay dead so long. Does that sound just like him? But, but you, know, you know, dying that first time, you can prepare for that. We can expect that. We know that's coming. But that second time, you don't have to die. Because the second death is when you're cast into a lake of fire and you're there for eternity. And guess what? You don't have to go there. You don't have to be a part of the second death. If you choose to believe the good news that I'm telling you here tonight and act upon what God has done for you, you can miss the second death. Lay this old body before you and, 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 and look, I got some stuff planned for my funeral. I won't go into that. But, but uh, you know, I, I'd like for it to be a very unique funeral. I'd like to lay a tape recorder by me and talk to line you up in order and talk to you when you come by. There's a few last words I'd, I'd like to say. Now, don't tell me you hadn't thought the same thing. But, but, but okay, have a funeral. Do what you're going to do. But that second death, I'm not going there because I'm not going to be cast into a lake of fire. I got a way out and there's escape and it's the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he died and was buried and rose again, he gave me a right to repentance and baptism in his name and to walk in the newness of life through the power of the Spirit and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Let me hurry. So a new day dawned for mankind. The new day dawns. The next uh, chart, if you will, Brother Jeff. I, I could have read 50 more scriptures and talked to you. But here's what happened. Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, gave up his, his tomb for Jesus. And they buried him. And Nicodemus was there. Nicodemus and Joseph provided, or Nicodemus provided the fragrant myrrh and the aloes, and the body was placed on a shelf, and it was it was wrapped in grave clothes, and Jesus was dead. You understand that. 
the high priest, the high priest was uh, he, he was haunted by the claims of Jesus rising from the dead, and they sealed the tomb. They said so nobody could could take the body of Jesus. The lightning came, the thunder fla- the thunder came, the lightning flashed, and Roman soldiers lay like they were dead, and and Jesus Christ got up out of the tomb. I don't have time to go into the whole story. We just passed Easter, so you ought to know it. But the facts are that Mary came and Jesus was not there. And 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 the the angel said, "Why seek ye the living among the dead?" And it was Jesus. You know who who, who I love, I got to reading this again today. You know who Jesus appeared to first when he came out of the tomb? Does anybody know who saw him first? Huh? Mary. Mary Magdalene, whom the Lord had taken seven devils out of. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. It was Mary that the Lord appeared to first. Is that just like our God? So so then came the disciples, Peter and John. John outran Peter, stuck his head in. Jesus wasn't there. They find the grave close. there's, there's living proof that he wasn't there. Peter said in his writing in, in 2 Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. And, of course, Jesus Christ was risen and a new day dawned for mankind. I would have loved to have been one of those guys walking down the road to Emmaus when Jesus showed up by them. And, 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 and you know, they don't even know who he is. And, and they, they bid him go further. And finally he's disappeared. And they realized that this was no ordinary confrontation. I would have loved to have been there. But let me talk about the mission of Jesus Christ for the next little bit. Why did he do all this? And I'm going to talk about a subject that, that is so, so vital to every one of us. How many of you in this room know that Jesus really is not just a figment of imagination or a prophet or another man, but he really was God in flesh? Aren't you glad for that tonight? Here's a revelation we've got to go. We've got to, we've got to understand. Who was Jesus Christ? Let me, let me tell you what every question about the Godhead can be answered with. There are two words, two words. Remember this always. Everybody say it with me, spirit and flesh. Here's why. And you've heard me say this, but some of you haven't. And I, think, I thought about it today. I said, you know what? Uh, my, they've heard this so much, but, but I want to I take time today because somebody in here, every time I, I talk about this, somebody get, grabs a revelation. People that have been around the church for years sometimes just don't grab the revelation of who Jesus really is. But I'm, I'm going to explain it to you tonight. In the beginning was the Word, this is John 1 and 1, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14 said, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ was flesh and spirit. Here's why. Jesus was born of a woman. That's flesh. His father was spirit. If you do not believe that, then you nullify the belief that Jesus was born from a virgin. His mother never knew a man. 
Jesus Christ was a miracle child, and he was both spirit and flesh. From the beginning, there was not the S-O-N, son. Even though John 1 and 1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word there means logos. So, so what happened in the beginning, and, and you know, I, I could take a long time tonight, and I, I will teach on this somewhere down the road again because I love it. But where Jesus said in, Ma- in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image, he wasn't talking to another God. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 4 that he spoke of those things that were not as though they were. He looked, he looked 4,000 years into time and he saw his own body because he knew his own plan. And he said, let us make man. Now, either Jesus is all mixed up I don't believe the angels happen because I can show you probably 40 scriptures were in the scriptures that says, I alone stretch forth the heavens and the earth. Huh? Jesus talked about creation many times, and he said, I created the heavens and the earth. No man helped him. No angel helped him. No other God helped him. So if here's, here's things you need to think about. The Bible also said in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. We know that Jesus wasn't slain from the foundation of the world, but he was only slain from the foundation of the world in the mind and the plan of God. So from Genesis chapter 1 until Matthew chapter 1, God existed only as spirit. God is a spirit. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. Don't get any plainer than that. And John 1.18 says that no man has seen God at any time. We can go back to the Old Testament and we can see where man had encounters with God. Many times they saw theophanies of God. That means a, a, a being, a, a figure, but God perhaps showed up in that form. We know that God was a cloud by day, but he was a fire by night because he was moving Israel around. We know that God's not a donkey, but he spoke through a donkey. Hello? We understand. I could take you through many Old Testament things. So I'm just, I'm just telling you who is, who is God or who is Jesus. The, the Word made flesh was God the Spirit. The God of heaven came to live in human body. Watch this. The Bible said, Philippians 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Excuse me. And being found in fashion as a man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Bible said in Colossians 2 and verse 9, For in him, talking about Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're completed him, which is the head of all principality and power. So, 
Here's, here's what happened at the birth, the crucifixion, and the ascension of Jesus. Start in the Old Testament. The Father, an invisible, omnipresent spirit related to angels and men through a spirit image. All the scriptures are there. It's in your writing. It's in your, in your study sheet. The Father's plan of creation was that his word would be made flesh, and he was. His word became flesh at Bethlehem's manger. His word, he was the son of God because his daddy was God. I'm just talking our language. His father was God, if that helps you any better. His mother was flesh. So he was both God and man. Does that make sense? Simple, isn't it? So here's what happened. The Son came to redeem us from sin and be our example. The birth of Jesus, he lived 33 and a half years. He was crucified and then he ascended. But now watch this. The Father's Spirit was sent to recreate and baptize all who believe in and obey the gospel. So Jesus, Jesus came to this earth as man, as God. He was 100% man. Watch me here. He ate. He slept. He had pain. He was tired. He, I can show you all this in Scripture. He went through everything that we go through, right? But let me tell you what he done as God. He fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed Bartimaeus of his blind eyes. He raised a widow's son and stopped a funeral procession to do it. He was God, but yet he was man. Does that make sense to you? So, so anybody that tells you that he's just another prophet or just another man, no, he wasn't. But at his birth and through his, we studied his life. We talked about 33 and a half years. The last three and a half years was ministry in his life. But when he hung up on the cross, he, the flesh, you got to understand this. I told you everything about God can be understood. You can't kill God. Everybody say amen. You can't, there's no way to kill God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Amen? So, so you, 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 don't, you can't hem God up and kill him. So God never died. But God sent his son. His son was the incarnation of the Spirit. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you're complete in him. So what happened? What happened? Listen, when Jesus hung on the cross and said it's finished and hung his head and died, the flesh died. And that is why Jesus, and I mentioned this in the early moments of tonight's lesson, that's why he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The spirit had to leave the body so the body could die. And it stayed dead for three days until the spirit came back into the body. And when the spirit came back into the body, the body rose again. How do I know that? Because Paul in his writing said, if the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell also in you, it shall quicken 
your mortal body. In other words, the Spirit of God raised up Christ from the dead. It can raise up you, and it shall quicken your mortal body. So, so, And we understand this. We understand this, and, and surely you do, that the Spirit came back into the, the body, and the body breathed again. The body rose, and the body was alive. The body came out of that tomb. The body didn't have to have anybody roll the stone away, but the angel did so that they could have proof that he was gone. The body came out. It was a glorified body. As a matter of fact, he wouldn't let Mary touch him because he said this is a glorified body. But later that same day, he asked his disciples to touch him because, because he had ascended and, and came out of that tomb. And now he said, feel me and see. He told Thomas, feel Touch me. Here I am. Does that make sense? So, so the spirit leaves the body. The body dies. The spirit comes back into the body. The body lives. Was that the end? No. Jesus dwelt upon the earth for, for more days and a few more miracles and a few more sightings and a few more proofs that he's, that he's here. And, and then... He stands on the top of a mountain, and the scriptures tell us in the book of Corinthians there was about 500 there that day that saw him ascend, and he all of a sudden left. His, I mean, they're looking at him, and he's, he's floating up through the air, and suddenly angels are where he was and says, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you've seen go away is coming again in like manner. He's coming again. But Jesus, before he left, he said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said this. You go, and I don't have time to read all the scriptures, but you've got to study this. In the book of John, he said, now I am with you, but I'm about to be in you. I'm here now with you, but I'm coming back to be in you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come unto you. So what happened is when Jesus ascended, the day of Pentecost was just down the road, and the day of Pentecost, guess what happened? He that was with them now lived in them by the experience of Acts chapter 2. Does that make sense? So the good news is this. He died. He was buried. He rose again. You can repent. You can be baptized or buried with him in his name, and you can rise again. That's the power of the gospel. That is the new covenant in a nutshell. And it all happened because Jesus Christ put on, put, or God put on flesh in the body of Jesus Christ and came to redeem mankind. Notice the New Testament. The Father's Spirit was sent to recreate and baptize all who believe and obey the gospel. Look at the next one. Christ, present ministry, high priest, intercessor, mediator, advocate. The Bible said there is, there is one between God and man, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible said little children don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate. Does anybody here know what an advocate is? Somebody shout, it's a lawyer. You got a lawyer. You got 
Jesus Christ the righteous that will stand between you and God and plead your case. If you sin, you have Jesus Christ the advocate that will stand and plead your case before God. He will soon catch away recreated believers and he will rule on this earth with saints for a thousand years. He will judge us at the great white throne judgment. The mission of Jesus is to get us back to the original plan where we are not lost and we do not have to die, but we can be saved by the power of the Almighty God. That's the covenant. That's where we are. He's our advocate. He's our mediator. He's our righteousness. You're not righteous without God. Did you hear what I said? You're not righteous without God. He sanctifies us. He purifies us. You can't be holy without God. Look, you can do anything you want to, but without God, you're not holy and you're not righteous. Our righteousness is as self is as filthy rags in the sight of God. As a matter of fact, we have to live repentant lives. I love what John 1, First John 1 said when he said in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I could talk about a lot, a lot of things tonight, but Christ, who is at the right hand of God, he makes intercession. He, he's our advocate. He's our forgiver. He's our lover. He's our healer. He's our savior. He's our soon coming king. He's the one that's going to get us out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't bring you better news than this. When this old world is as it is now, and it's reeling and rocking like a drunk man, there's hope because of what Jesus did. There's hope because of who he is. There's hope because he has us in the palm of his hand. And our hope resides in Jesus Christ. There's one God. There's one God. Do you hear me? There's one God. Anybody tells you any other difference? Well, anything different will we'll, we'll go against the word of God. There's one God. And there's one mediator between man and God. The man Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that over and over and over. There are different forms and 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 let me let me say it this way. I'm, I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. There's different, there's different ways that God works. Just like I told you, he worked through a donkey. He worked through the cloud. He worked through the sea. He worked through tree. He, he's worked through animals. He's, he's worked, but God is still God. His name is above every name. He took on a name. The Bible said that God highly exalted and gave him a name that was above every other name, the name of Jesus. I'm glad today that I know that he's God and his name is Jesus. There is not another. Give the Lord praise. Give him praise. That's the good news. It's a new day. Stand with me all over this house. It's a new day. It's not like it used to be. Man, I've thought a lot of times when I read the scriptures, thought a lot of times how Horrible it must have been, or not horrible, let me, let me back up, how tough it must have been to have to go out and get an old lamb, slay that thing, blood spurting everywhere, get a bull or a goat, 
bring it to a preacher. Have him go in and try to find some, some forgiveness for you. I've thought about it so many times. Do you know how much better Jesus made it for us? For me to just be able to walk into my own home or into a prayer room or into a church and just say, Lord, I need you today. And the strength of God come rolling in. And the forgiveness of God come billowing like waves. And when you've made mistakes, let me tell you something, I don't care what you think about me, I don't care what you say, but I repent before God every day of my life. I ask God to keep my heart clean. I ask God to let me live a righteous life. I ask God to, Lord, if I've done anything, I want you to search me and know me because I believe that he's there for that. He's my advocate. He's my mediator. He's everything that I need. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because the Lord Jesus Christ wants it to be that way with you and with me and with everybody else. Any questions, any comments? I'll take them right now while the ushers are coming to receive your offering tonight. I trust you will give. Amen. Amen. Or a comment. Go right ahead, guys. Thank you. Let's receive the offering while we're. Brother Michael. Michael, let me get back here. I'm hard of hearing. Do what now? Right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. But when he came back to meet with his disciples that very evening, he said, you can touch me. Because he went, he ascended up to his father. That's what he told Mary. He said, don't touch me because, because I'm a, I've got to ascend to my father. Okay? Anybody else? Anything else? That's great, Brother Michael. Hallelujah. Could I, could I talk about you for just a minute? You don't mind me, do you, talking about you? I love Michael Dotre. You don't hear much out of him. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. For a long time, Michael Dotre, he married Alma. He came to this church. Now, he's my buddy. He's my friend. He knows. But he would call me on a night like this and say, but pastor, but pastor. And he, he, he couldn't see the revelation of the oneness of God. And he would question me, and we'd have discuss. Am I telling the truth, Brother Michael? Over the phone, I'd say, he'd say, I'm sorry, but pastor. And I'd say, but no, no, here's the way it is, brother. And, and, and Brother Michael Dostre said it, and God gave him that revelation, and we baptized him in Jesus' name. And I like, thank God for that. I thank God for that. Amen? You're a, you're a great man, brother, brother Michael. Anybody else? Very quickly. Questions? This is, hey, watch me, and I close with this. This is why we baptize in the name that is above every name. Because his name is Jesus. Amen? If you got any questions about that, we'll talk about that too. Anything else? Anybody else? Real quick. Brother Randy? Where he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. I believe that. And let me tell you why I believe that. Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Here's what, here's what John said. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For this spake he of the Spirit, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified, until the cross and the resurrection were finished. And I believe, now, now there's great debate here, okay? Uh, my dad used to teach, and I, I'm getting off into something right here we could have a long discussion about. But he believed there was a place called paradise, and so do I. I believe my dad today is in paradise. That's what I believe. I don't believe he's shouting around the throne of God. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I don't believe he's conversing with Peter, James, and John. Sorry, I don't believe that. I believe he's waiting for the rapture of the church, but he is in a place of paradise and peace with God. We'll talk about that somewhere down the line. Don't start asking me questions about that tonight because we'll be here for another hour. Okay? I believe that I believe the Lord didn't lie to him. I believe he said, This day you will be with me in paradise. Okay? Anybody else? Absolutely. The death hadn't happened at that time. You're exactly right. The death of the testator. In other words, there was no new covenant and new testament or new new will until the death happened. And the death hadn't happened. So at that point in time, he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Okay? Good stuff. Anybody else? Isn't this fun? All right. God bless you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you because we know your word and we have been given the truth of God. I want to thank you for the presence of God that is in this room right now. Go with us. Lord, help us to dig deeper into the Word of God and learn like we've never learned before. Help us to be prepared to give every man an answer by the truth of God. In Jesus' name, bless this church and go with us this day. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. See you Sunday. Going to be great. Don't miss in Jesus' name.